baby. I'm baby. You have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm on the plane. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and welcome to episode 94 of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And coming up on the show, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, going to go over a few things, and I think it's going to all tie together at the end if you hang with us. And again, if you listen to the show with normal ears, it might sound like something typical or maybe you already know what I'm going to say. But if you truly listen to the entire show and you listen with diligent ears, you'll see it's not the same podcast. It's not the same stuff that you might think. When we cover these issues, I like to present a little different twist to it than what you might hear elsewhere. Now, we just recently had uh, 9-11, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the memorials, the tributes, the remembrances, the never forgets. I know a lot of times people will put in we celebrate, but I don't really think we celebrated, although I know what you're saying. I know it's nitpicking, but we remember. We remember what happened, at least those of us that were around, and hopefully those that uh, weren't around are being at least reminded of what happened. And there was an audio clip that we heard of somebody on a plane making a phone call, leaving a voicemail to loved ones. And uh, eventually that person perished in a plane crash in the World Trade Center on 9-11. And I know every year we talk about never forgetting. And I wanted to wait till after 9-11 to talk about it. And we're not going to go into great length, but I wanted to see how people would respond because we always talk about that. You know, we are people that are of, I think it's ingrained in us to celebrate anniversaries, to celebrate milestones, to, you know, recognize dates and things like that that are significant, whether it's celebratory like a birthday or an anniversary, like a wedding anniversary maybe, or, you know, maybe if you're a couple, how long you've been together, your third, fourth, fifth month, whatever. And then also, you know, when it's not so celebratory, maybe it's more solemn, like deaths, like things like 9-11, you know, a passing of a loved one. And we always like to say we remember, we'll never forget. But I think when it comes to 9-11, I think we've gotten so far away from it that universally, I think we've kind of forgotten about some things. I know that we had a lot of celebrations that fell on a Saturday this year. So a lot of, you know, college football was taking place and a lot of people celebrating or, uh, you know, having their tributes and their uh, memorials and the flyovers and the band tributes and things like that. So, you know, I guess you can call a celebration of life of those that sacrificed, those that gave their lives to either rescue those that uh, were trapped in the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, or, or those on, what was it, Flight 93 that went down in Pennsylvania, southern Pennsylvania, saving who knows, countless number of lives, you know, let's roll. And so I think that, you know, when we celebrate those lives and we remember the sacrifices that were made, the firemen climbing up the, the stairs, the flights of stairs, or the heroes, or the heroic action of people like the Red Bandana Man and others that uh, brought people down from the World Trade Center, you know, the sacrifices. And, and you think about... You know, these voicemails 
that are left and you think about the loved ones that have lost you know 20 years now there was a piece that i wanted to play but it's uh rather lengthy so i decided against it but it's a it's a song and it's a remake of brian adams heaven song and it inserts a narrative of a little girl talking about how she misses her daddy and how her life is going on without him as she's growing up. And it really is a tearjerker when you think about it. If you really think about that, there are people out there like that that were so young. I read, um, I think there was, I saw a, a boy who was born, I think, a few weeks after his dad perished on 9-11, and he's reading a letter that he wrote after the fact. And so, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And I think when we look at the political climate today, I mean, we're more concerned about pronouns, what we're calling each other. We're more concerned about what bathroom we use. We're more concerned about things that in really the grand scheme of things don't matter. It doesn't matter what pronoun you use. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Nobody cares. The only people that care are the ones that are in academia, really in politics. That's it. Nobody cares about your pronoun. It's meaningless. It's pointless. Okay. We don't, in fact, let's not use pronouns. Let's just stick with proper names. My name is son. Call me son. Refer to me as son. Okay, but we also have gotten away from the fact that, you know, the freedoms that were fought after that, you know, we went off to war. And again, whether or not you believed in the war in the 20 years that came, that's, you know, your opinion and you have the right for that opinion. But you think of all the sacrifices that were made. You know, you've got organizations out there, for example, Tunnels to Towers was another one that was kind of making the, the circuit, helping people to rebuild. And I think we forget about those people. We forget about those people that sacrifice that we can be free so that we can have our freedoms to say what we want, do what we want. And we're getting into this, you know, pandemic with the the masks and the vaccines. And now the vaccinated are blaming the unvaccinated for all the problems. Well, you know what? Imagine being some other place and not having that right, not having that ability to blame other people, which we'll get to the blame game a little bit later on in the show. But think about all the people in Afghanistan now that have lost their rights that no longer have the ability to have free expression. I read something recently where the uh, Taliban are now making the rules that girls can no longer maybe go to school, or at least they're segregated for right now. There was a protest by women in Afghanistan that was broken up by the Taliban. They came in shooting and whipping people to break it up. And we sit here and, you know, we're arguing over pronouns. And I think we've forgotten. I think we have forgotten what... 9-11, what the sacrifices of those that came before us, you know, dating back through history, the sacrifices that were made. And I think that one of the things that we need to do is kind of get back to what it was that those sacrifices were made for. Again, you can have a difference of opinion. You can have a difference of ideology. That's the freedom. But it's the freedom that we have to enjoy because we choose to whether you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, Democrat, Republican, black, white, doesn't matter. We have the freedoms to be who we are. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a teacher in Iowa that wanted to present a racism uh, kind of lesson, I guess, to her students in third grade. And so, so she divided them up between brown-eyed and blue-eyed. And it became a big deal, the brown-eyed and the blue-eyed fighting each other. And in the end, she basically said that within 15 minutes, these nice children turn into, you know, really bad kids. And so when we were celebrating 9-11 here recently or memorializing it, 
you know, it just made me wonder if people really, really throughout the years, not just on 9-11, but throughout the years, do you really remember? Do you take part in things? Do you go out of your way to take a minute to really reflect upon the sacrifices and the people left behind? The people that are left behind, like the loved ones from this voicemail that was left at 947, pretty much saying, I love you and I probably won't make it back. I hope I see you again. Or how about this voicemail that was left on 911? See, if it doesn't affect us, then we can move on. A lot of us have been able to move on from 9-11 because it never really affected us. When 9-11 happened, I was living in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. I was on the radio. I had just gotten done giving a sports update on a rock station. I was in the studio of the rock station talking with our morning show guy. And the country morning girl, Connie, comes up to us, and me and Jeff were talking, and she says a plane hit one of the World Trade Center buildings. So we go check it out. And then through the course, another plane hits. And then I eventually ended up on a country morning station talking with Connie about the events that were transpiring, trying to be a part of it and let people know what's going on from the information that we had, being live on the air while it was going on. And then when my shift was over, there really wasn't much else I could do at the station. And so I went home and I was watching the images on TV, just like a lot of you. And to think what was transpiring. Now, I was in middle America. And a lot of people, you know, when you think of Nebraska, you don't think of it really being an important part of the state when it comes to military and defense. But it has a significant uh, role and purpose. In fact, I think the president ended up just outside Omaha when he was uh, on 9-11 at Stratcom. And so, you know, little did I know that a big part of 9-11, as far as the strategy was going on, uh, was in that same state. But you start to understand the intricacies of everything going on that day and realizing that, yeah, the country is under attack. And then you start to see the rebuild. I saw a lot of memes, a lot of posts on social media about wishing America was 9-12 because we all came together after 9-11 and we started to rebuild. We started to come together and clean up ground zero, clean up the Pentagon. We started to come together and try to help people grieve. We came together and now we're so far apart. We are so divided that people are putting posts on social media saying, I wish it was 9-12. I wish we could be the 9-12 America. Well, what I would say to you is that if you want to see change, be the change that you want to see. It starts with you. Starts with me. If we want that change, if we want to be nine twelve again, be the be the country of nine twelve, we come together and we unite for the common good. We unite to bring this country together, to raise it up, then we have to be that change. And if we're not, if we're going to continue to be divided, if we're going to continue to divide lines today between vaccinated and unvaccinated, then we're not going to have that nine twelve mentality. Because you know what? Instead of dividing We should be coming together right now through this pandemic, right? I mean, 
What perfect opportunity to have a 9-12 moment than to come together as a country and try to overcome this pandemic that's ripping us apart. A lot of lost lives, a lot of sick people, a lot of lost businesses, economy crashing, a lot of people burned up their savings because they couldn't work, and so on. All these bad things. We could have had a 9-12 moment, but we're still on a 9-11 attitude. We're still dividing. We are sending whatever it is to our opponent that happens to be a fellow citizen just because of an ideology, and we're divided. We're coming apart. And, you know, one of the things that, or one of the people that are driving this is obviously the news media, and the other thing is uh, celebrities. Celebrities preaching at us or, you know, trying to tear us apart or accusing us of things, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. It could be, you know, accusing Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting somebody. It could be, you know, something else, um, you know, with the vaccines. It could be a number of things, you know, tax the rich. Apparently, AOC went to the Met Gala in a dress, tax the rich, getting a lot of blowback for it because apparently it's a $30,000 a plate ticket, a public servant being able to afford that, or a public servant like AOC having someone pay one way or another $30,000 a plate and you're a public servant going to this. And then on top of it, you have the tax the rich, which is kind of, if I saw someone, if I was rich and I saw someone come into my party and say tax the rich, I don't think I'd want them to be there, but rich think differently. For some reason, they want the government to take all your money. But so she's at this event. I think there was just a lot of flooding in New York City from the hurricane that came through the Gulf, Louisiana, and then up through and then caused a lot of rain in New York. She's at a $30,000 a plate. A lot of other celebrities are there as well. Now, you ask yourself, what's the Met Gala, and why am I talking about it? Because we are told that there's white privilege. We have been told about white supremacy. We have been told about, you know, Black Lives Matter. We have been told and preached at militantly about all these things, and it comes from these elite people that are now celebrating an event that really is only exclusive to the people that are part of it. I would never be able to get to the Met Gala. I don't think I'd want to go, but I would never be able to get in because the Met Gala basically is a fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Art and their Costume Institute, and so it raises money. Now, I'm not against that, and I've got a clip that I want to play coming up, and it's there's a couple points in there, both good and bad, that I want to point out. But So you've got this $30,000 plate or $275,000 table, and you've got a lot of expensive items, clothing, Versace, Prada, which I guess the devil wears, a Coach, Gucci, a bunch of expensive lines of clothing, and a lot of people with a lot of money showing up to this event. And again, it's a fundraiser. And you think, okay, we're supposed to help others. We've got, you know, the hurricane that just came through. We've got a lot of people still struggling because their loved one was lost in 9-11 that we just celebrated. And I know the Met Gala was supposed to be in May, had to be postponed. But was the 13th, was that really two days after 9-11? Was that really a good time to plan this? It makes you think. And that's why I think we're out of touch. That's why I don't think we remember because the elite, the rich, the people driving the narrative – dictate to us what they can do. You had people traveling from all over the world to come to this thing. 
And again, let's not bring up the fact that they were maskless and they weren't social distancing because nobody's going to wear an expensive Versace or Versace, if you know, you know, and uh, wear a mask and do the makeup and all that. So nobody was masked up. Nobody was social distancing. I don't need your excuses because, you know, you're preaching to me. Go preach to them. They're the ones preaching to all of us what we should be done. And so anyway, so it's, it's and, and it's a thing that's, one person, let's just put it this way. You, don't, you want to talk about elite. One person is in control of all this. Anna Wintour. She is the editor-in-chief for Vogue magazine. The whole thing is presented by Vogue. It's uh, for the fashion industry. It's the annual fashion exhibit that's uh, coming up at the Met. And she handpicks every single guest that can come. So it's an elitist thing. I would never get an invitation. Would you get an invitation? Again, I don't want to beat down on it, but there's some things that I want to bring up. So, again, we have all these people telling us that uh, what we need to do, giving us the narration of our lives, how we should lead our lives. But then you've got someone like uh, this person here that was at the Met, and listen to what she has to say. Hi, Mom. Mom. What are you doing? She's my mom now, too. Hi. Hi. Kendall. No, look at you. No, look at you. This is Matt. Hi. Hey, how are you? All she's been talking about is I want to make sure Emma's okay. She's no, been there for so you. long. The she's just been thinking like, about you. Emma? I know. I'm like Where's dying Emma? over here. That's why I love you. I no. Love you. Oh my God, you look so great. Thank so you. tell me about the dress. Well, it's uh, it's the inspiration was Audrey Hepburn's My Fair Lady. Yes. Just did a, a modern take on that moment. You know, her and Hubert. I love were, Audrey. So like, we really wanted to kind of take a special moment of hers and make it our own and yeah. I feel like he did an amazing job she wore Givenchy all the time so. yeah that connection with like French couture and American culture and, incredible yeah. full but circle Kendall is the one who's amplifying this no dress. this is like yeah. amazing like, I true. can't even look at you anymore it's making oh. me no it's so good I okay it was nice to just do something with your friend we were yeah, friends before totally I started yeah. working at Givenchy, so it right. just, it's been really... It's so fun, and it's, like, calming, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're We just hung like... out in the summer and, like, right. worked on the dress. <laughs> right. That's, like, she came so to Paris. fun. Yeah. That's the dream Met situation. Yeah. Can we... You look gorgeous. You absolutely killed it, and you can protect me when I'm in there now. <laughs> yes. Okay, wish me luck. Come find us. Great. We'll have fun. You guys are the best. You're the best. Okay, I love we'll you. See you later. You guys look beautiful. Okay, first of all, that was a love fest, which is fine. Emma Chamberlain is the host of these interviews, and she's a YouTube star, came up through the ranks of YouTube. So congratulations to her. But you have here uh, Kendall Jenner wearing a dress that was made in Paris. Spent all summer in Paris working on the dress. That's pretty elitist. Um, but then they want to you know, preach to us how we should live our lives. And then you have them just loving on each other. And again, it's okay. I'm not against it, but you start to see what's happening is here. It's all about something that's really superficial and it's okay because I think I don't have that particular clip, but I think it's Gigi Hadid, uh, Hadid, I think is her name. Maybe I butchered it. I don't know, but she did. She said something in a clip and I think it hit the cutting room floor by the time of this uh, broadcast, but um, she talked about how she had a kid and now she's a farm mom, whatever that means. And uh, she's been home, 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 and now she's out with her friends. And it feels good to be able to get out, get dressed up, and go out. And that's a positive thing. 
So I thought that was a good statement from her to be able to recognize that it's an opportunity to get out. I get that. But again, is the timing really perfect? And, and why is it that, you know, we're celebrating all this thing that's kind of superficial and extravagant? It's extravagant beyond means. A lot of people hurting out there nowadays. Two days after 9-11, a lot of people brought up old wounds, remembering what happened on that day. And we go from that to now all of a sudden this with the elite, $30,000 a plate. And then you have um, Megan the Stallion. Remember her from, I think it was, what, the Academy Awards or something like that when she's whopping on the floor and doing all this kind of vulgar dancing that a lot of people thought was pornographic that ultimately led to FCC complaints? So, again, this is what uh, she had to say about the night at the Met, her first Met. Hi. You look amazing. Thank you. I try. No, this is all. Tell me about this. So this is Coach, head to toe, um, and we're giving old Hollywood glam. That's, it's so funny because that's exactly what I thought of when I heard the theme was like old Hollywood. Right. And that's like my favorite era. So I'm like, okay, we got to give it. We got to serve it. I'm giving Megan Monroe. You're giving? Yes. yes. Is this your first Met? This is my first Met. And I'm super excited. You too? Yes. I can't believe, like a lot of my friends are in here and we're like, I can't believe we made it to the Met. I know. It's like, are you scared or were you just like excited? What was your... I was excited, but I literally just got here like four o'clock in the morning. Uh, from London because I've been performing all weekend. No way. Yeah, okay, so wait. now I'm here. Speaking of that, I heard that your mom used to bring you to like the studio yeah. instead of, okay, I heard that story and it was like the best thing I've ever heard. She when used to you, be a rapper. I love that. Yeah. And um, she thought I was just like coloring or something in the waiting room, but I was really at the door like, okay, yep, I'm going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Are you going to do that with your kid? Can, can you please do that with your kid Ooh, if you ever have one? children. <laughs> I know you're like, let's not go there. Yeah, no. let's not even talk but about kids. It's me out. Right. But like, that would be, like, that's parenting advice for me. Like, that's the moral of the story. I want my kids to do whatever they want to do. That's actually... I'm going to throw, like, every toy in front of them and then see what they crawl to. Wait, I love that. Yeah. Do you want to be an astronaut, baby? <laughs> that's really I support good. you. Yeah. Okay, that's, like, the best parenting advice I've ever heard. Just give them every option. Give them every option. Okay, that's amazing. Well, you look beautiful. Well, thank you, baby. You I'll look beautiful, I'll see you too. in there. I'll see you inside. We did it. First met. First off, I don't think I'd take parenting advice from Megan the Stallion. And I don't think Emma Chamberlain uh, disagreed with anything that went on. But, again, you're talking about give your child everything. I was in London. I had to fly in at 4 in the morning like it's some heroic thing. Um, again, I know I'm being a little bit down on them. But, again, these are the people that are preaching to us. These are the people that are telling us how we need to live. These are the ones that are telling us to mask up, to get vaccinated, to go out in the streets and protest Black Lives Matter. These are the ones that are trying to give us the narrative that a lot of you, not me, but a lot of you will follow. Okay? Now let's get to AOC. She had a dress, tax the rich, I don't care. But Aurora James was the dress designer, okay? And so this is what she had to say about the dress. Interesting how we always come back to a dress. Monica Lewinsky, AOC, the dress. Here's what uh, Aurora James had to say about the new dress. Well, you know, the Met Gala obviously is one of the most exclusive events in the world, and we wanted to come and deliver a message. And I think when we talk about inclusion and gaining access to closed rooms for people of color, when you finally get a seat at the table, you have to decide what the message is that you want to deliver. And I think for the Congresswoman, I think for myself, economic equality and economic justice was sort of top of mind. 
and tax the rich was really what we settled on. Okay, so you have uh, tax the rich, which is economic justice. Not really sure what economic justice is, but I'm sure it's wealth distribution, which, of course, they're all very wealthy, but they're telling us that we need to distribute our wealth, but do they? Uh, people of color getting a seat at the table. You need to have a message, okay? And then Aurora James, apparently in 2020, in the, uh, the aftermath of George Floyd, started this nonprofit called 15%. Now, the 15% nonprofit, apparently, from my understanding, is that she's trying to get 15% of store shelves to have product that is from black business owners. Okay, good idea. I'm all for that. It's not a problem. Um, again, Black Lives Matter had a big summer in 2020 because of George Floyd and a couple others. I saw an episode recently, uh, a clip of it, don't, don't watch it, but a clip of it of, I think it's Wild and Out. Is that the Nick Cannon show? And one of the topics was the dumbest thing you ever heard. And someone came up and said, all lives matter. And the place went nuts. Because remember, it was the all lives matter versus the black lives matter. And we were only talking about how black lives matter now. Yes, all lives do matter, but we're talking about black lives matter. We had to put a black X on our social media square. We had to go and protest in the streets. We had to burn down buildings. We had to destroy other people's property. And we had to do it in the name of social justice. We had to fight on social media. We had to rip friends apart, rip family apart, all because black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. You would even have Black Lives Matter going so far as a white woman yelling in the face of a black person, a black police officer, that Black Lives Matter. Don't get it, but you know what I mean. And then you had defund the police and all this stuff. So Black Lives Matter was ingrained in us. Okay. So Larry Elder, you may, you may not know him. Black life doesn't matter. He was uh, running for governor of California and, um, as of this broadcast, there were still no results that have come in officially, but it looks like he was the top contender if Newsom gets replaced, that he would take over. And he was a black man. He has faced a lot of racism, a lot, just in the short amount of time that he ran for governor, what, maybe a month, maybe two, um, called Uncle Tom. The black face of white supremacy, which still really haven't figured what that out is, but, uh, you know, let's just toss that into the racism category. All kinds of uh, smears in the uh, newspapers and stuff from waving a gun at a girl to not paying taxes to maybe some other things. Um, and then the biggest thing was while at an event in uh, Venice, a white woman in a gorilla mask, chucks an egg at him. Misses, but chucks an egg at him. Now, if you're not familiar with gorillas and black people, there's been a huge correlation throughout the years that black people came from you know, gorillas or chimps, and it's a huge, huge racist comment, a racist thing, a racist anything. You know, innuendo, call it whatever you want. It's, it's huge, hugely racist. And yet nobody, nobody has said anything. Now, you don't even have to vote for the guy. You don't even have to like his ideology or his politics or nothing. But Black Lives Matter, where's the outrage? Where's the outrage over the racism that this guy is facing? Because if you put a black square on your social media, if you yelled at us and said Black Lives Matter and you're silent on this, you're a hypocrite. 
There's a lot of hypocrites out there. Off the top of my list, I have a huge slew of people that I remember from last summer, summer of 2020, that told me Black Lives Matter, and that's all that matters this summer, and, and we got to get out in the streets, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and we got to be on the right side of history, and you know we need to, we need to come together and unite and hit the streets and, and burn things down because Black Lives Matter. And here's a guy that's getting the ultimate of racism thrown in his face. Uncle Tom. Huge racist statement. Gorilla mask, throwing eggs, huge racist. Even if you wanted to take some of the other things out, like the smear campaign in the, in the newspaper, you know, because that's politics. Okay, take that out. But what about the other stuff that's blatantly racist? Where's your outrage? Why aren't you stepping forward? So you know what? The next time something happens to a black person, don't say anything because you just lost all credibility. You lost all credibility from your 2020 Black Lives Matter because this was prominent news. A black man who has the opportunity to become the first black governor of California. And again, you don't have to vote for him. Don't have to like his ideology. Has nothing to do with politics. The fact that a black man running for office in California, forget that. A black man and the racism that he has faced and not one thing has been said by mainstream media, by people on social media, all my friends that raged summer of 2020 telling me that they want to be on the right side of history and that we need to be out in the streets and being out in the streets is way better than getting on our knees and praying and helping, asking God to come help us. Better than uh, being, you know, marching the streets because, you know, we have to have a 9-11 attitude instead of a 9-12 attitude. Like a lot of memes were saying, we should have a 9-12 attitude these days. We should come together. You're right, we should. But where are you defending this guy at? Why aren't you down seeing the racism? So the next time something big happens and it's racist and it involves a black person, just shut up. We don't need to hear from you because you're a racist. All these elitists at the Met Gala, not one thing. Not one thing came out. Megan the Stallion, not one thing came out. She didn't denounce it. She didn't say anything because they don't care. They really don't care. That's what it comes down to. Those people trying to set the narrative, they don't care. The only one really that has any credibility from this whole thing in my mind, Rose McGowan. She put politics aside, and she went after Harvey Weinstein. She even accused Alyssa Milano of being a hypocrite herself because Alyssa Milano was there for Brett Kavanaugh, but not for Harvey Weinstein or anybody else. So again, why should we listen to you? Go off to your Met Gala, your $30,000. Go off to your Aurora James making your dresses for AOC. How come you're not denouncing the racism that Larry Elder has faced? You see? So why should we listen? But see, that's the mentality that we are. So that's why in the beginning when I said we forget and we don't like to remember things because they're anniversary or anniversary reminding us or, you know, because we think it's ceremonial. I mean, obviously politicians do it because, you know, they have to be seen. Otherwise, oh, my goodness, uh, so-and-so didn't do such and such, and so therefore we need to vote them out. You know, it's all ceremonial. But grassroots, all you grassroots people that stormed the Basilica in 2020, how come you're not outraged by these racism? things and there's others i just use larry l an example because you know he's kind of in the mainstream media right now running for governor but what about all the other things that go on i mean uncle tom and the gorilla mask alone you should be outraged about and even if you don't like the guy's politics that is outrageous for somebody to sit there and be silent on it especially when you were telling us when you defriended me on social media telling me that i didn't care about black lives and you're the one being silent over this why is that? Where's your responsibility in this? How come you're not taking responsibility for this? You know, I was listening to a few uh, people 
because I like to kind of get some ideas for the show. And so I'll listen to various people. And Will Smith had something that I thought was very interesting. But before I play Will Smith, um, I want to play a clip from the Andy Griffith Show. Okay. Andy Griffith Show, if you don't know what it is, it's a TV show from back in the black and white days, which I'm sure a lot of you don't know about because it was black and white. Like, what's black and white TV? And so uh, it's going to set the stage for, you know, taking responsibility for actions. And so here's the clip. If you don't know, uh, Andy Griffith is the sheriff of the town, and his son, Opie, is actually uh, Richie Cunningham from Happy Days, who is Ron Howard, who has gone on to do all kinds of things in Hollywood and directing and films and stuff. But uh, here's the the clip, and it brings home really uh, a big point of what I want to get to as far as the meat of this podcast. You know that old window on Mrs. Pretty's back door? Yeah. Someone threw a ball and busted it. <laughs> Would you by any chance be that someone? You mad, Paul? No, no, I'm not mad. Promise you won't get mad. You won't get an allowance till that window's paid for, okay? Okay, Paul. Make way for the ice cream. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Strawberries to go in Strawberry. it. Strawberries. Come on, Opie. Come on, Opie. Sure? Huh? Weren't you sort of rough on the kid? How's that? Well, why don't you bail the little fella out? Bail him out? Well, yeah, it's just a window. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could uh, bail him out, like you say. But the only, only trouble with that, if, uh, if I was to do that, why, every time he'd get in trouble, he'd be expecting me to come to the rescue, don't you see? If this time it's a broken window. Later on, it'd be something bigger, and then something bigger than that. Now, he's got, he's got to learn to stand on his own two legs now. See, the, the clip is talking about taking responsibility. We're going to cover this up now or bail them out, help them out now. But then we enable them down the road. There's no responsibility. And that's what's happened in society. There is no responsibility for people's actions. People just want to do something and then deal with the consequences. We talked about it last week when it comes to abortion. The choices that we make, maybe we should think about the choices first and not deal with the consequences of the responsibility that come later. Responsibility, you ask. What's responsibility? Well, let's define what responsibility is for the sake of this conversation. So responsibility, according to Webster's Dictionary, is the cause or reason something happens. So if you're out in the streets protesting George Floyd and his death, and you break down a footlocker window or door, and you steal some sneakers... You are responsible for that because you are the cause or the reason that happened. If you do something like put on a gorilla mask and throw an egg at Larry Elder, you are responsible for that because you are the cause or reason from that. And one of the things that we've gotten away from is taking responsibility because we want to blame others. And the court system is huge on blaming others. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Or the best one, my favorite one, was the Twinkie defense. You may not be familiar with this, but a guy by the name of Dan White killed Harvey Milk and George Moscone 
I believe Moscone was the mayor of San Francisco, 1979. And Harvey Milk was, I believe, a councilman, something like that. And um, the defense was that Dan White was depressed, basically, because he ate Twinkies. And the Twinkies caused him to be depressed, which caused them to kill George Moscone and uh, Harvey Milk. And that kind of started this evolution of coming up with these reasons to blame somebody else. Um, There was a, remember when the teacher sleeping with a student scandal was like rampant? And there was that blonde teacher in Florida who was too pretty to go to jail. And the judge let her off with like house arrest, probation, whatever it was. Again, reasons, not taking responsibility. We see that a lot of times. I mean, I think about 9-11, what happened. And I think back to uh, Benghazi. If you're not familiar with the Benghazi, you should watch 13 Hours. Great movie. But Benghazi was the uh, the four American people, one ambassador and um, three kind of private security type people that were uh, killed over in Benghazi, Libya. And when it happened, Hillary Clinton came out and blamed a YouTube video. Again, politicians, and I only use that. I know you say, oh, you bring up Hillary because X, Y, Z. No. It's an example of just how bizarre we have come. Twinkie defense to YouTube videos. I mean, that's what it's come down to. Politicians do not take responsibility for nothing. That's whatsoever. And so what they do, you know, they think it's going to cost them a job, which it probably will. I mean, you think of this latest thing with Afghanistan. You know, Biden is the president. He blames Trump. Oh, he gave me a timeline. I had to live by it. What president has ever lived by anything a former president has ever done? Especially this president with the last president. I mean, courts have stepped in, like stay in Mexico. Courts have stepped in and had to reiterate the fact that this needs to, this policy from the previous administration needs to stay in play. You can't change it because he's changing so much stuff. But now all of a sudden with this epic failure, he's going to blame Trump. Oh, I was, had no choice, had to do something. How about all these celebrities? Remember uh, Jesse Smollett, who was uh, accusing somebody of a being like he, they tried to hang him in Chicago and it was like a hate crime. And then it turned out, well, he orchestrated the whole thing and then he started blaming others and taking responsibility. Other celebrities are that way, too. They want to blame other things. We want to blame the drugs. We want to blame the influences, which is important to have positive influences. But we always want to blame something. Why is that? It's a defense mechanism. So it comes down to, first off, we're going to defend ourselves against any attack. So, no, I didn't do it. That's the first thing you learn as a kid. Hey, little Johnny, did you do X, Y, Z? Did you take the cookie from the cookie jar? Is that your hand in the cookie jar? No, it wasn't me. Like Shaggy, it wasn't me. All of a sudden, it's a defense magnet. It was somebody else. Susie made me do it, right? We're blaming somebody else. The other thing is, you know, we want to blame others because we want to hurt them, especially in politics, want to blame somebody else, blame the previous administration because we want to hurt them. Blame this person. Blame that person because we want to see them not be successful in the elections. Or in personal life, in business, we don't want to see them succeed in business, so we're going to blame them. That's what we do. We blame other people because we want to attack them. Could be simply made up. Why aren't we reaching the goals that we set forth? Why aren't we getting our quota in place? Why haven't we reached X amount of sales? 
or this amount of dollar amount. Well, this person did this, this person did this, this person. Yeah, but you're the one in charge. You're the one overseeing the project. You're the general manager. Well, this, 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 her, him, her, him. And we blame others. It's like, why? The other reason why I blame people is because we're just not really uh, into finding a solution or we can't find a solution. Instead of thinking about it and being like, you know what, I really don't know what a solution is. Maybe you can help me out. Maybe we can come together, have that nine twelve mentality, unite, come together for the common good. But we're like, nah, I'm just going to blame others because I just, I just have to. I can't take responsibility for something bad happening. So I've got to blame somebody else. We want to deny responsibility. Again, this is huge in the court system. I didn't do it. I didn't do it because of this reason, a Twinkie a YouTube video. She deserved it. You see what she did? Or a couple weeks ago with that blue-eyed, brown-eyed experience, uh, experience experiment, there was a, a clip in there where one of the kids, brown-eyed, punched in the gut a blue-eyed for being called the brown-eyed. Well, why did you punch him? Because he called me brown-eyed. See, this reason. Why did you? Because blaming somebody else and t- taking responsibility and then people just lie. And that's the biggest thing, too. Our moral compass is so off that people are just going to lie. Bold-faced lies. And a lot of people are very good at it. And a lot of people are habitual liars, narcissistic liars, or maybe the term compulsive liars. They don't know the truth. I've experienced a few of them. I had to learn quickly that whatever they say, whatever comes out of their mouth, probably not the truth. Cut them loose. But that's what happens in a society. We don't want to blame ourselves because I'd be taking responsibility. We want to blame other people. Responsibilities on them. I may be the reason why, but no. They're the reason why. And so it goes on. So what should we do? Well, Instead of blaming others, we should own it, right? Shouldn't we take responsibility for our actions? Yeah, that's a little unique in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, I did it. Yeah, we didn't reach our goals for sales or dollar amounts because we just didn't, I just didn't oversee the employees. We didn't win enough games because I, as a coach, didn't properly prepare my team. Whatever. We got to own it. Yeah, I punched him in the gut. Well, because I did. Well, here's the reason why, but yeah, I did it. I did it because I'm the reason that I that I'm the reason or the cause that I punched him in the gut. He might have said something, but it's because of me. I could have turned and walked away. Yeah, I'm the reason or we're the reason there was now a pregnancy. Instead of blaming others. Okay. The other thing too, after owning it, we should apologize for it, right? Wow. Another novel idea in this day and age. We're going to own something, a mistake? Come on. That's crazy talk. And then we're going to apologize for it? Say, I'm sorry, are you nuts? Right? That's, that's the mentality today. It's opposite of what we should be doing. We should be saying, I did it, and I'm sorry for it. There could be a reason behind it. Yeah, there could be. This was affecting my life. I wasn't thinking rational. 
but I'm taking responsibility for it and I'm apologizing for it. I was under so much stress, it just got to me. I lashed out. I apologize for it, but I did it. Or I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a solution. So I just made a choice. It was the wrong choice, but I made a choice. Apologize. We'll fix it. One of the big things in radio, which I never really could understand, was that if you're producing a show, a lot of responsibilities. If you're hosting a show, a lot of responsibilities. Some ideas work. Some ideas don't. The good ideas that work really well, great. There's some that can flop miserably. But I always found it interesting when the program director or the management would come in and yell at you. Why did you do that? That was horrible. You should never have done that. And finally, I had to tell them one time, yeah, you know what? I'm not out here purposely trying to sabotage the show. Chill out. It was an idea that didn't work. We'll try something else. But I'm not out here actively trying to sabotage anything. I'm not purposefully trying to tank the show. So chill out. Don't get mad. How about some constructive criticism because you're the boss and supposedly know it all? So give me some constructive criticism. Don't just come yelling at us while we did something that didn't work. We tried something. Innovation. And when it works, hey, why don't you praise us the same? That was the one thing I could never really understand is how management would take, not all the time, but they would at times take the credit or the host would take the credit for something and then place the blame. And that's where I really started to kind of learn about this responsibility thing. They would pass blame if something didn't work, but then take responsibility when it did. Well, it does go both ways. You're the host. You should have implemented the plan I put in place. So we own it. We apologize for it. Now we got to make things right. We need to go out there and we need to make sure that we rectify the situation. Okay, you know what? We're down in sales. Next month, we'll hit it hard and we'll try to close that gap. Maybe it'll take two, three months, but we'll close that gap. I offended you in some way. I apologize. What can I do to make it up? Or maybe just an apology is making it right. Maybe not doing it ever again. How many times do you hear in a domestic violence situation, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to hit you. I'll never do it again. And they do it again. And they do it again. And they do it again. It's not taking responsibility. Because you want to make it right. You want to rectify the problem. And then a lot of times you have to take your medicine, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a demotion. Maybe it's a decrease in salary. You know, oftentimes in the military, you know, you get demoted and you know, loss of rank and pay. Maybe it's something more severe, like maybe you do have to spend a little time in prison behind bars. But that's not the end all to you and your life. There's things you can do and overcome that. We've talked about that. So we should focus on solutions instead of problems. The blame game is something that happens when you're focusing on the problem. Focus on solutions. For example, I was watching Jersey Boys recently, the movie, about uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and uh, one of the guys in the, the band ran up a huge debt. I think it was like half a million dollars in debt. Did not belong to Frankie Valli. The debt did not belong to other members of the band, but Frankie Valli took it on, the debt, and eventually paid it off. Okay, the point is, though, that he focused on a solution. We'll take on this debt. Now, again, the debt was, if you watch the movie, the debt was with the mob, and so obviously bad things could happen to the guy that 
had the debt. But anyways, Frankie Valley took it on, eventually paid it off. He found a solution, focused on the solution. The band was infighting. Other members were like, that's not our problem. That's not our problem. Frankie Valley's like, yeah, it's not our problem, but I'm going to come up with a solution. And he did. We should avoid the blame game because all that does is causes problems. The he said, she said, you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. Well, you made me. Well, your dad's ugly. Well, my dad can beat your dad. And it goes on from there. The other thing, too, which is really important, you know, we talk about the influences, okay? We can be the influence on others now. We can be the influence on how to change this whole thing about accepting responsibility because we're not going to get it from people at the Met Gala. We're not going to get it from people on CNN and other news outlets. We're definitely not going to get it from politicians. When you go as far as to blame a YouTube video or any number of things that we hear from politicians, that's not going to happen. Oh, I was duped by a hair salon. Really? So we want to focus the influence and be the influence that is a positive influence. You know what? You made a mistake. You don't want it like Andy Griffith. Because otherwise people don't learn. And they continue to offend. And it gets worse and worse and worse. You need to own up. Take responsibility. And sometimes that's us leading by example and owning our own mistakes and taking responsibility for it and apologizing for it, making it right, taking our medicine. And other times it's like what Andy Griffith did to his kid, making him own it and take the medicine. And then there's another thing that kind of came up when I was thinking about this was, you know, forget fairness. Forget fairness. What's that? Okay. We talk about economic what did she say? It was like economic justice. Well, it's only fair that they've got more money than me, so we should all pull it together. It's only fair that uh, this group of uh, ethnic people, let's say white people, have 85% of the shelves and black people get 15%. Whatever. You can make up your own scenario. It's only fair that this happens. Well, it's only fair that he hit me, so I hit him back. It's only fair that they make a lot of money, so I cheated to make money too. You know, That's the fairness we're forgetting about. We can't worry about that. Can't be an excuse. Oh, we have to do this bad thing and not take responsibility for it because it's only fair. It's a little unique concept to think about, but that's one of the things that people cry out for. Oh, we have to do this because it's only fair. We have to give reparations to black people because it's only fair because they were in slavery. Although probably, I don't think if any people are still alive that survived slavery or that was actually a slave, maybe a descendants from it. But again, it's fair to do that, give people money. It's fair to bring people over here to this country and not have them get inoculated with the vaccine and just have them pour into this country. That's fair because the people here, they're getting vaccinated. They're going to do it instead. Now, on the other side, we talk about this stuff. Accepting responsibility. We talk about the negative. But what about the positive? This also goes for the positive people. This is the other thing I've learned in life. If you've done something well, own it. Take responsibility. Yes, I did that. Yes, I came up with that idea. Yes, I implemented the team, and the team then came together and helped me be successful. But yes, I did that. Take ownership of the good things that you've done. Don't apologize for it. Hey, how come you were able to come up with this and no one else was able to do it? Well, you know, and then you kind of get down on yourself. No, own it. Don't apologize for it. Well, you know what? I had this great idea. I just implemented it, and it worked out. 
It's okay to do these same things on the positive. Okay, we're not going to make things right, but, you know, maybe we help others. Hey, this is how I did it to become successful. Let me help you. And then take your medicine. Yeah, take the reward. You know, oftentimes we, we confuse humility with accepting what it is that we deserve. So we can do that. So this accepting responsibility not only is for the negative that we do, but it's also for the positive that we do. We got to stop blaming others. Because if we take responsibility, we're going to feel better. We may have to pay the price. We may be an example, but it's going to be better for us. And I mentioned earlier, Will Smith, he talks about the difference between fault and responsibility. Again, responsibility is the cause or reason something happens. Fault is the responsibility of the wrongdoing. Okay, you think of car insurance. Oh, he was at fault. So he was responsible for the wrongdoing. I wasn't responsible for the wrongdoing. I wasn't at fault for the wrongdoing. I'm responsible because I was the cause and reason of something, but the fault is the responsibility of wrongdoing. So it's a difference between me and you without the blame game. And so here's what uh, Will Smith had to say. I was just uh, having a debate with a friend of mine. She's my mom now too. stuck on the difference between fault and responsibility. She kept talking about how something was somebody's fault. It's somebody's fault. And I was like, it really... It don't matter whose fault it is that something is broken if it's your responsibility to fix it. For example, it's, it's not somebody's fault if their father was an abusive alcoholic, but it's for damn sure their responsibility to figure out how they're going to deal with those traumas and try to make a life out of it. It's not your fault if your partner cheated and ruined your marriage, but it is for damn sure your responsibility to figure out how to take that pain and how to overcome that and build a happy life for yourself. Fault and responsibility do not go together. It sucks, but they don't. When something is somebody's fault, we want them to suffer. We want them punished. We want them to, to pay. And we want it to be their responsibility to fix it. But that's, that's not how it works, especially when it's your heart. Your heart, your life, your happiness is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. As long as we're pointing the finger and, and, and stuck in whose fault something is, we're jammed and trapped into victim mode. When you're in victim mode, you are stuck in suffering. The road to power is in taking responsibility. Your heart, your life, your happiness is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. Practical application, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, okay? You want to blame the vaccinated or the vaccinated want to blame the unvaccinated. It's their fault we're getting sick. No, it's not. It's the virus's fault we're getting sick. What about your responsibility? You're out. Sure, you're following. You're getting vaccinated. You're wearing a mask, but you're outside. You're in the world. The vaccine is only going to help you so much because there's all these other variants. So now you have to take responsibility for your actions for being out in the world. If you don't want to get sick, sterilize your home, stay inside. Don't blame somebody else for something that they have no control over, especially when we now know that the vaccine, I think last I read on the CDC, 60% effective rate, and everybody's getting the vaccine is getting sick still. There's a lot of people that have gotten the vaccine, the breakthrough cases. So you're going to blame them? No, 
the fault of the virus or the fault of the illness is the virus. So you need to take responsibility. You need to take responsibility for yourself. That's just a practical application. So you choose. If you choose to mask up, get vaccinated, and go outside, there's still a risk. If you choose to get in the car and drive on the freeway, there's a risk. If you choose to eat fast food all the time, there's a risk. If you choose to engage in adult activities, there's a risk. Okay? But you need to take responsibility and not blame because it's not the baby's fault. It's not the unvaccinated's fault. We like to put fault equals blame, and that's what we like to do. But it's not that way. Understand what the fault is. What is the actual responsibility of the wrongdoing? And then are you the cause or the reason of that wrongdoing? If you're the cause or reason of that wrongdoing, take responsibility. If someone isn't, then it's not. Don't blame them. Because again, practical application. You're sick because of the virus. It's the virus's fault that you're sick. If you want to place blame, maybe you should look at the origin of where it came from and the irresponsibility of those people. Not the rest of us. We got caught up in this just like you did. Or maybe scientists for giving us bad ideas, wrong information. I don't know. But when we blame, nothing good comes from it. That 9-12 mentality, that September 12th mentality when the world came together, 2001, the U.S. came together to rebuild and to unite against a common foe, a common enemy. And that's what we should have done with the pandemic. That's what we should do with other things, but we divide. And we're going to continue to remain divisive because people, not all of them, but there's a lot of elitist people spending $30,000 at the Met Gala so they can dress up and coach for Sashi, whatever, spend the summers in Paris working on a dress, London, whatever, flying all over the world. They can gather maskless, not social distancing, and then they're going to come on TV and preach to us. Something to think about. But again, what it comes down to is responsibility. If something happens and it's your fault, you're the cause or reason, take responsibility for it. Understand what the fault is. It's the virus is making us sick, not unvaccinated people. Something to think about. Two Steps Ed podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Check us out on RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can find all things Two Steps Head podcast on there, plus some other podcasts, plus some live music. We've got some pop music, some modern day new release pop music. We've got some 80s music. We've got the World Chart Show. We've got Totally 80s. Uh, we've got The Beat Goes On, Sanctified Reason. We've got a lot of cool things there. You can uh, download the app. Go to your app store and search Radio Warp app. Download it and take us with you on the go. There's also a merchandise shop if you want to get some cool merch. Just go to RadioWarp.com, click the merchandise and it'll take you to the uh, shop. Winter's coming. Maybe you need a hoodie. Hoodie season. Also on uh, Instagram, you can check us out at uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And on my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, Edom Rocks. There's uh, a link tree in the bio. Click it, and there's some options, too, that take you to Radio Warp and some other places. Uh, you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also sub- subscribe uh Subscribe to YouTube and or SoundCloud, and if you do, you'll never miss an episode because you'll be notified when the new ones get updated. And you can find those on our Instagram page, on the Linktree link, or on the Radio Warp 
com. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, take your passion, make it happen. Let yourself be great, be kind. And this is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. I'm Son Edom. Take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great.